0: McMaster University has over 210,000 alumni living in 140 countries around the world, and they are some of the most amazing people you would ever want to meet. Unconventional will introduce you to some of our alumni who are working to make our world a brighter place in their own unique way. Join me, Karen McQuig, Alumni Director at Mac, as we meet alumni in the arts, cutting-edge entrepreneurs, alumni leading the way in health, technology, education, and more, as we learn the moments that their path for Mac became unconventional. I'm very pleased today to introduce Dilshan Pierce, a 2017 Bachelor's of Health Science and 2019 Master's of Science graduate. During his time as an undergraduate student, Dilshan's passion for singing, playing instruments, writing poetry, painting, and drawing led him to become very involved in many McMaster clubs, including McMaster Make Believe and Music and Medicine, all of which involved using art to engage vulnerable populations and foster wellness. Given his interest in education, teaching, and healthcare, he stumbled upon the McMaster Masters of Science Health Science Education Program while in his fourth year. While he didn't know a lot about it, his leap of faith turned out to be a fantastic decision because it exposed him to the world of medical education. After two years in this program, Dilshan applied and was accepted into medical school at the University of Toronto. In his spare time, he has self-published a poetry book, revived his YouTube channel to upload covers and original songs, and has a podcast of his own called Shoot the Ship. Welcome to our unconventional podcast, Dilshan. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here and just... Doing, enjoying myself as much as I can being inside with COVID.
0: <laughs> as, as we all are these days. So let's go back in sort of the way back machine for you and think about when you were an undergraduate student at McMaster. Um, mm. And so I'm going to ask you were, you, were you an undergraduate student that had a master plan of how your career path would progress, um, what your plan was? And if so, what was it? And if not, what did you do?
1: Yeah, so I think for me, I had a vague idea since like high school, early undergradish that I wanted to go into medicine, but that's about as far as that master plan goes. Like I didn't know how to go about it, what processes I need to do, what tests I needed to write. Uh, I didn't know any of that. So going to undergrad, it was very uh, exciting in terms of that would be like one step closer. But at the same time, I was very anxious in terms of. Like, how do I even go, begin to start figuring this stuff out? And yeah, that was, it was very scary for me in in that regard. But I was fortunate enough, I think, to have some, some guidance through undergrad with like peers and uh, different faculty members and uh, other alumni and things like that who were able to um, help guide me a little bit or navigate some of that process, which felt like a big black box, but yeah, and there's no no master plan. though. was very much figuring things out as I go.
0: So um, you're a medical student now, so I'm going to come to ask you a couple mm-hmm. questions about that. But let's go back to when you were actually thinking about becoming a med student, like pursuing your medicine, medical degree. Um, yeah. and you ended up writing the MCAT multiple times and you received the rejection letters from medical school. How did that experience shape your resilience in when your next decision, like, uh, cause then you went and did a master's program. So why don't you talk about sort of the, the, the highs and lows and, and where that led you on your next part of your journey?
1: Yeah. So, um, in my undergrad, so for background, I came from the health sciences program in undergrad. And in that program is very much a fishbowl in terms of there's lots of students who happen to go to medical school. And when you're in that space and that's, those are all the people you're interacting with, you slowly start to build in your head, okay, like this is a, this is a feasible destination for me. Like I can do this. I can get, you know, multiple interviews. I can uh, get into med school after third year or whatever. So in my head, um, I had that idea sort of built in with me over time. So when it came time to write that first MCAT, I was like, okay, you know, I'll study. Um, you know, people that I know tend to do well on this. So like, I'm going to be the same way, which was not true. Uh, I spent four months the summer after second year, uh, studying and doing the, the prep course that everybody does and came up with a score that was a bit too low to be competitive um, I still applied anyways, because that's what everyone was doing and got rejected from all the schools I applied to, I think like four or five in Ontario. Um, so from that that point on, I tried again the next year, uh, rewrote the test and did a lot better on that second time, uh, except for there's one section, the verbal reasoning section that everyone complains about. Like That was, I think, a couple points too low for me to... You know, be competitive once again so even though I had this I had improved there's still this one part sort of hold me back um, and you know another set of rejections um, and that summer I actually wrote the test two times um, within the span of a couple of months so by this point fast forward to fourth, uh, fourth year I have a couple of rejections under my belt a couple of MCATs and it's very discouraging because I'm seeing at this point now i'm late into undergrad i'm seeing some of the friends that i came in with who had already gone to medical school or who had got yeah. are going through the interview process they're getting accepted and i'm helping them prep for interviews i'm like like i'm, I'm on the one hand i'm happy for them but at the same time i, I wish i was one of those people as well uh, so there's an initial stage of imposter syndrome um, am i do i fit in with these people like is this the world that I'm meant for. And um, on the other hand, there was, there was some, I didn't want to give up on that. Mm -hmm. So I think wrestling with those two sort of conflicting emotions, butting heads helped me build some resilience. And after some time had passed, I realized, okay, uh, instead of taking this rejection as something that is a shot to my self-esteem and uh, I'm still someone who, I still want to do this and I'm not going to give up on it. So I started trying to find ways to um, improve myself each time, you know, with each rejection, I tried to find ways to improve. And one of those things after fourth year was that master's program that I kind of took a, uh, I took a chance on because I had this, uh, I guess, vague interest in like education and teaching mm-hmm. and i saw a program health science education I was like oh it's combining health and combined education sounds like a good fit for me but at that point i didn't that's all i really knew about it so i took a leap of faith and it ended up being one of the the best decisions for me in in many ways and i, I couldn't have been happier with how that turned out
0: so what did you learn about yourself when you were doing your master's program
1: hmm so I think what I learned about myself is that I think if I put my mind to something, I can, I can achieve more than I would have thought if I pushed through that discomfort and believe in myself. Because one of the challenges with doing the master's was I had this big like thesis to do, right? And at the, when I started the program, I like, oh, my God, I have to write a book. like you you see some of these books and they're they're like thick so like how am I gonna write this many words about a very specific topic um so that was very daunting for me coming in um but with you know the right supervision and guidance and just time and pushing myself to to try and, and do the work like fast forward two years later like I'm defending this this book that I wrote essentially so it's it's funny, I never would have thought that I would be able to achieve that, um, but I think with the right people around me and believing in my abilities and pushing through the discomfort and, and a lot of coffee and all-nighters, I was able to do more than I thought I could. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. So um, you have a very interesting background in that you are very much a man of the arts as well, right? So you like, yeah. you like to write poetry, you have a podcast, music is a big part of your life. When you were an mm-hmm. undergrad, you were involved in McMaster Make Believe, Music and Medicine, and I Am Hope. So how is your past experience with using art to engage and foster wellness within vulnerable populations directed how you've thought about health during this difficult year?
1: Yeah, I think the the arts is something I've always had growing up. Like I was in piano lessons when I was a kid, drum lessons, uh, school choirs when I was little. So it was always something that was very important for me. And for whatever reason, I didn't understand when I was younger, but I felt connected with the feeling of music and the people who were like doing the music with me. Or if I listened to a certain song with a particular mood, I felt very resonant with that for whatever reason. Um, and then as I got older, I started to notice that uh, music is very unique. You know, you hear all the time that music is the universal language. And mm-hmm. um, I think what that really means that everybody can connect to to the feeling, that unexplainable feeling or the, the mood of, of a particular song. You know, when you're feeling upset about something or happy and you find the right song that fits that mood, it just ignites if you feel something so i think joining those programs like mcmaster make believe and i'm hope and music and medicine there's just the, the idea of fostering that for other people that sort of um, that unexplainable feeling and it, it brings joy and it brings happiness and it allows people to connect through that feeling and uh yeah, I think it's just a different method of connecting with people and expressing your emotions, positive or negative. And and we know through you know healthcare and just the field of health in general that there's there is the physical wellness, but there's also emotional and spiritual and uh, psychological health. And these things are all very tied in well with music. And and you you see things like even immune function improving with music and stuff like that. Like these weird connections that don't sound like they make sense. So, I think I think that's what it is for me. Start started off with a passion, and then seeing the benefit that it has for people, and it, just that unique ability to connect and and share an experience and be vulnerable together. That that I think is crucial for health, and some, it's a reason why I keep doing it.
0: Yeah, when I, a couple of years ago I saw a documentary that um, I can't remember the name of it now, but it was basically music and Alzheimer's patients. So they, mm-hmm. you know, would put music or music that the, the Alzheimer patient would remember, um, sort of like in a Walkman or headphones and, and the person came alive and they remembered things and, you know, they were a different cognition based on, you know, 20 mm-hmm. minutes before and after. So how do you think music is going to help you in your practice when you, um, finish your medical school?
1: Yeah. That's interesting that you mentioned that because I think in my experiences with I am hope it's a intergenerational music program where we get kids and older adults together and connect their music. And what we notice when we start playing songs from like, you know, can't help falling in love and songs from that era, we see some of the older adults light up and they'll be like, Oh, this, this is my wedding song. It just mm-hmm. brings back. It's like time travel almost. Right. Yeah. Like it takes you back to that, to that time. Um, and I think what I take away from music uh, in terms of my practice in the future is I think, I think it helps me foster empathy in a way just from um, being so vulnerable with people, whether, it com- whether it's performing music or helping other people do music or sharing an experience together, um, hearing those stories from people and just seeing the, the value that... Um, that music has but also just the importance of hearing stories from people I think that's something they'll take away in medicine Um, they teach us that you get a lot of the information from your history in medicine and I think that comes down to being empathetic and being able to make people feel comfortable to tell you um, very deeply personal things and I think music has been a good way for me to practice some of those skills and in communication and being vulnerable, empathizing with people's experiences, um, and I think yeah, I think those are some of the big takeaways for me. And just for my own personal wellness, um, having music as an outlet as well has been really important to me. Uh, a few years ago, like 2013, my grandfather passed away, and I felt a lot of guilt and sadness around his passing. So what I ended up doing, I actually wrote a song about him and about those feelings, and it was very um, crucial for my healing and my grieving process just to get those feelings out there and communicate that to other people and in a way that you know words sometimes can't communicate those things. So I think um, just helping me connect with people and be vulnerable, but also my own personal wellness going forward, which is something that we always have to take care of.
0: Right. So you have a podcast of your own. It's called shoot the ship. So number one, um, I, I think a play on words, I would say, shoot the yeah. ship. As <laughs> so I said that out loud, I'm like, Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. Now. I, now I know why the name of it. Um, so I, I guess a couple of questions around like, so you're a busy, busy person, you know, I'm a medical student. You have all this stuff on your plate. Like, so why start a podcast and uh, what does that bring to your um, you know your your daily life your own mental health um, um, and your mm-hmm. own creativity
1: yeah so I think I've always wanted to start a podcast for like a few years now but I never wanted to do it by myself and I never wanted to like I didn't have a fully fledged like idea or anything so it was always something that got put on the back burner Um. but then I came to med school and I met a friend who I think uh, his name is Muhammad, by the way, so I'll shout him out here. <laughs> um, we have the same sense of humor. We connect, we uh, get along very well. And just other people actually came up to us individually and said, you guys would be really cool on a podcast. And, you know, you give good advice and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of got the the ball turning. And one day uh, I was like, Hey, do, do you want to do a podcast? And then <laughs> and he was like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Like he didn't, I guess he didn't fully think I was like serious at the time, but then literally that same day I went to his place. We recorded the first episode and it, as the name implies from the play on words, it's just a a space for us to have conversations about anything, whether it's fun conversations or serious conversations or a place for us to debrief about things going on in our lives. Uh, It sort of started off just like that, but then literally a week or two, after our first episode, our second episode, COVID hit last year, and we ended up, everybody got sent home, school was canceled, and what became really interesting about the podcast and really special was it gave us a way to connect with people in our class that we didn't necessarily talk to before, or for people we already knew, as a chance for us to learn new things about them, Uh, so we always had guests every couple of episodes, and it was just a really special thing. And when we shared the episodes, the class, now other people are getting insights into our lives and the lives of the guests. So I think what started off as a very um, just fun, lighthearted thing, it it still is, but it's also a place for us to get to know people. And I think that's been one of the most exciting things about having this podcast. Um, Not to mention just being able to talk about whatever we want and, A space away from the stress of medicine, away from everything, and just to have a regular conversation with each other. So that's been really amazing.
0: So the past year (laughs) has been one that no one expected. Um, So what have you learned about yourself from this experience? And I can imagine that being a medical student in a global pandemic gives you an insight into medicine that you might not have had before if we didn't weren't undergoing, um, you know, living through a pandemic.
1: Mm-hmm. So what have I learned about myself? I think, I, I guess it's not something new about myself per se, but something that the pandemic really brought out is that I really value connecting with people. You know, we had, we just talked about the podcast a second ago, but also when you're at home all the time by yourself, you just, you miss seeing people, like the little things of going to class and sitting beside somebody or going for a coffee break and seeing each other in the halls. All that stuff was gone. And I found myself just like, like everyone else, just missing people and miss, and longing for connection. Um, so I think that was something that I definitely took for granted before and something that I, you know, whenever the post COVID world comes that I want to make sure I highlight really well, um, And it's also taught me the importance of reaching out to people because um, as you're probably aware, a lot of people go through, uh, you know, mental health difficulties and they're struggling financially or whatever the case may be with COVID. And I think it's, I've learned it's very important to reach out to people and just check in with them and see if they're okay. You know, we're all going through our own individual struggles and our own uh, trials and tribulations. And I think that, Covid has taught us to be there for each other and just see see if if you're okay and be a, a listening ear and a shoulder to cry on. So I think that's those have been my two takeaways uh thanks to Covid, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what is one piece of advice you wish you knew when you first graduated from your undergrad at Mac? That's
1: a good question. Um a piece of advice after graduating from undergrad. Yeah, definitely a thinker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think one thing that w- I wish I knew back then or wish would have been told to me was to, um, as cliche as it sounds, enjoy the ride. Because um, I-, I think with, you know, med school or whatever it is, we're, we we're trying to achieve if we, if we really wanted and we, we put in the time and the effort, it's it's not going anywhere And and we can eventually get there. But at the same time, you don't want that process and those feelings of imposter syndrome or whatever to eat at you. And that's not, you don't want that to become your whole life. And I think that's something that, yeah, I was learning a little bit of that as I graduated, but also something that, I wish people had told me more of just because when you're in that fishbowl of getting lots of rejections and things and, in a world where a lot of people are going off to the next stage of their life, you feel a little bit lost and you feel like, you know, I need, I need to do a lot of things to catch up to these people who were once at the same level as me and now they're ahead. But instead, um, shifting that framing to no, I got into a master's program or whatever the case may be. And, this is going to be a really cool experience for me. And I think that would have been really good to hear. And I think that's an important lesson for anybody to hear who may be experiencing things, not according to plan, that you're, you're just taking a scenic route. You're taking a different route. And there's going to be so many good experiences and things that you can't even expect when you go off into that next chapter. And that's going to help you going forward. So I think that's probably the most important thing is to just enjoy the ride and trust the process and be open to having an unexpected, and new experience.
0: So you're wrapping up your second year in med school. Um, Mm -hmm. Where do you think you'll be or what kind of medicine will you want to practice when you're done um, your, your program?
1: Yeah, that's the million dollar question at this stage. (laughs) Um, I definitely have several specialties on my list that I'm thinking about. And, you know, I'll learn more when I go into clerkship next year. But I think lately what's really been sort of drawing my attention is family medicine with like a plus one in palliative care. And I think for me, I like the flexibility and the variety in family medicine. You know, like, you're going to see people with issues from all the different health systems going going through every single thing that you can think of. Like, you're the first person that they'll come to, and mm-hmm. I think they'll keep me on my toes, for one. Um, so it'll be intellectually stimulating. But also, being that first person that people come to and that sort of central point of care, I I look forward to building relationships with families, seeing people from different walks of life, getting to know their stories. And you know for especially for like little children, seeing them grow up and become the the people that they're going to become and playing a part in that journey. I think that's super, super exciting. And with palliative care, it's sort of extending that that continuity of care piece here. Family medicine, you see people for a long time, but then palliative is just extending that even longer right to the end of life. And that's the question that I think a lot of people will grapple with in their mind. And honestly, something that I need to experience as well is end of life is obviously a very sad time. Mm-hmm. Um, so am I able to handle that? And the answer for that, I I don't know. i have to experience it. But I think it's beautiful to be with people in in those moments and try to give them as comfortable of an experience, uh, focusing on their quality of life, what they actually want for their care, taking being part of the family's process. I think that's extremely beautiful to be able to give people those, some good moments like when they're at that stage. So that's my thinking right now and it's still evolving, but that's where my head's at. I, I very much value that continuity and the relationships and talking to people and, and the variety. So I think family palliative sounds good to me right now.
0: Well, based on the way you described that and, and what you would like to get out of it, I think you're going to be an excellent family doctor uh-huh. and a palliative uh, care doctor when it comes. Cause that part of that's the hardest part at the end of life. Right. It is, as you said, a very sad time. And um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I know you're gonna be great. okay. So as we sort of wrap up uh, our podcast, um, I've got a few rapid fire questions
1: for you. Right. so let's
0: let's switch to your your time at Mac.
1: Okay. Favorite
0: memory from your time at McMaster.
1: Favorite memory for me. So you know that I have a musical background, yes, but I wasn't always willing to perform in front of people. I was very, very shy growing up. And it wasn't until my third year of undergrad when the, I was on student council at the time and we hosted a coffee house. And as one of the people on student council, everyone was like, oh, Dilshan, you have to perform. Like you're literally hosting this event. You can't not perform. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to open the form, put my name down and close it. I'm signed up. It's done. I have to do it. <laughs> so that was just me forcing myself to come out of my comfort zone. And I had a couple of friends with me, so I wouldn't be completely by myself. But that's my... That coffee house is my first time singing in front of an audience ever. And it really helped me open up my shell. And it sort of started this slippery slope of me, you know, now I post on YouTube, I sing at whatever coffee house I get the chance to sing. I joined Music of Medicine after that because now I felt more comfortable singing in front of people. And it allowed me to connect with some of my friends musically and and jam with them and Yeah, I think the biggest thing, that was a big growth moment for me in terms of like breaking out of my shell. So I'm really, really glad that I did that and it stuck, it'll stick with me forever.
0: So other than your podcast, what podcasts are you listening to and what book are you reading other than a medical textbook?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, What podcast am I listening to right now? Um, There is one that I'm listening to right now called The Basement Yard is by these youtubers that i uh enjoy watching like joe sanagato and uh, frank alvarez there is very similar to mine in terms of it's just two people like talking about whatever and making jokes and stuff but they're so funny just the the rapport they have together and it's just a, a breath of fresh air to listen to and um enjoy while i'm like, eating lunch or whatever and it's, it's, they're just hilarious and in terms of books i am currently not reading any books (laughs) right now well i think we can
0: give you a break on that
1: (laughs) yeah but in terms of books that i would like to read i have a whole bookshelf right here below me (laughs) stuff so uh i think the next one on my list is probably going to be the night shift uh, by dr brian goldman i've heard many many great things about that book and i think he's a physician who's also very mindful of the empathy stuff and, uh um, things that are very, uh, important to me. Like empathy was my thesis work and stuff. So it was very, I think I'll resonate with the things he's saying. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited.
0: Uh, what was your best COVID purchase?
1: Best COVID purchase? Um, does a family purchase count or is sure, it? For- sure. Yeah. So we actually got a COVID puppy oh uh,
0: yeah
1: yeah her name's Bambi she's a Saint Berdoodle and it was largely because my little sister kept asking and asking, asking and asking um, and she's a lot younger than than me and my older sister so I think my mom was feeling bad that she was at home like alone and not seeing yeah. her friends and stuff but but she made a powerpoint and everything I was like oh, well she like did research and all that but <laughs> she was like, serious uh, <laughs> benefits of pets yeah so my parents finally caved and and got Bambi and but she's been such a great addition to the family. She's so sweet and playful and I don't go home as often as I'd like to, but I think she remembers me when I go back. Cause the yeah. day after we picked her up, I had to go back to school. Right. So I don't see her too often, but yeah, she's still so, so, such a sweetheart. Yeah.
0: And so you've been in Toronto, um, for school. Like you, yeah. 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 Um, what living person do you most admire
1: what living person do i most admire i think yeah definitely my can i say my parents that's sure. two people yeah uh i think my parents honestly like i it might be cliche but i think you know they came here from sri lanka from very um you know they didn't have a lot of money growing up they didn't have a lot of opportunities for um, pursuing like higher education and things like that there's the civil war in sri lanka way back um, when they were living there and you know just a lot of cards stacked against them but they still managed to um you know get out of that situation come to canada and build a better life for me and my sisters and now i'm in med school which that's that's the fact that i'm even able to do this and get you know provincial funding, like whatever all these things that I'm doing is because they came here. And my life would be very different if I was over there, I think. Um and I see them just working hard. They have their own business taking care of us. Uh yeah, they're they're just the best. So I hope that I'll be as good of a parent as they were when I when the time comes for me.
0: Oh, that's very nice. (laughs) And then one song that best describes your time at McMaster.
1: That is so tough. I think, oh, what's that song called? They played it at the graduations. Um, it was a completely random song. I haven't listened to it forever, but uh, No Boundaries by Chris Allen. Okay. I think just because undergrad was a period of, you know, academic and personal and, and just lots of different periods of growth and types of growth for me. And just showing that no matter what was happening in my life? For how many rejections I was getting, or uh, how many friendships or whatever were getting like uh, I was losing, or whatever the situation was. There's you know no boundaries for me. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna get through, and I think that's that's what I did, and that's why I'm here today, um, doing what I want to do, and yeah. I think just push it, pushing through the obstacles to get here is what that song's all about.
0: Oh. Well, that's a great way to end. So Dilshan, thank you for joining us today for unconventional best of luck as you uh, wrap up your second year and then head on into a very exciting third year of medical school and um, encourage everybody to have a listen to shoot the ship for a very interesting conversation with a couple of people. It's good things to put on and go for a walk um, and we'll watch for you on YouTube um, and uh, follow your career as a, as a poet which, you know, there's not enough poets around anymore. So well done.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Poetry is great. Yeah, every, I think everyone should read poems. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my, my biased opinion. But, yeah. But thank you for having me. It's been great talking with you.